Welcome to episode 185 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Today marks the first of my Fringe episodes. So, for the next seven weeks, we'll be talking to performers and creators with shows in the Toronto Fringe. And don't forget my regular Fringe Roundup on both of the Saturdays of the Toronto Fringe, where I will sit down with a group of artists and talk about their Fringe so far, what shows they've loved, and so much more. So I'll get to today's guest in a moment, but first I wanted to tell you that I'll be bringing my play, The Commandment, to the Toronto Fringe. I've performed this show in a number of fringes, and this is my first chance to bring it home to Toronto, and I'm super excited. The Commandment is a solo play that asks what happens when an atheist discovers that he's been chosen to deliver God's new commandment and will be performed at the Tarragon Extra Space. You can find out all about it by finding it on your fringe listings or by following me on my social links on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And you can also find details on SimpleTruthTheater.com. And as always, you can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod. And the website is StageworthyPodcast.com. Now, let's talk about Today Takes. Today Takes is an app and website that offers easy and affordable access to a wide variety of must-see cultural performances from plays and musicals to dance, opera, comedy, immersive experiences, and beyond. So just added this week is the National Ballet of Canada's Physical Thinking, which opens June 1st, and tickets are 83% off when you buy through Today Takes. Also, there are rush tickets for By Heart at Canadian Stage, which starts on May 30th. And also there are $17 tickets. I can't believe this one. $17 tickets for the May 31st 8 p.m. performance of the Stratford Festival's The Merry Wives of Windsor, which is an awesome deal, so you should totally get on that. Today Takes makes ticket buying simple, and you can purchase tickets in less than 30 seconds. Get it on iOS and Android, or go to todaytakes.com. My guests this week are Bryn Kennedy and John Walmsley of Theatre Born Between, presenting Beneath the Bed at the Scatting Court Community Centre, Room 4, as part of the Toronto Fringe Festival. Um, and so the show is called Beneath the Bed. Mm-hmm. So tell me about what, what that's about. Um, so it's about a child who experiences a loss and then uh, finds that there's a monster living under their bed. Okay. Yeah. So that's sort of the the short answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, you know, to me it's a show that's much bigger than that. It's about sort of the cycle of healing from mm-hmm. trauma and... Um, how that kind of thing gets passed between generations. There's also, it's full of music and mm-hmm. um, puppetry and movement. And so it's got all these beautiful elements that sort of weave this story together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like this big imaginative story about like that really focuses on like this idea of like escapism. A little mm-hmm. bit, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're going through like a childhood trauma and, yeah. um, and different ways that, we can cope with that and and mm-hmm. and, and get through. Hmm. Um, and but is it is it? I mean, it, it, it's a story about a child, but is it a kids' show? 
That's, yeah, that's a good question. We yeah. get that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't like to think of it that way because I find that um, can be limiting. I think that mm. we have a certain expectations when we talk about TYA theater yeah. um, that I don't know apply to this show. I sort of like to think of it as um, age accessible mm -hmm. rather mm -hmm. than specifically for children. I think children can come and see it and enjoy it. I think there's tons that they will love that's in the show. Yeah. I also think there's so much meaning for adults in the show that would be missed out on if we specifically marketed to a certain sure. um, age. What would the, the, the children's age range be for this show? do you think um that's a good question i would say like seven seven and up maybe okay. yeah like, it's yeah like you said like it's very age accessible mm -hmm. it's it's nothing that it's we're not specifically trying to market to kids mm -hmm. or, or or tya but we're also not like pushing that audience away we're mm -hmm. kind of just letting everybody come in because it is a very accessible show in that sure. way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that, that is kind of good because the, you know, the kids fringe is this robust thing, but it mm -hmm. is segregated. It's yeah. away from everything else. Yeah. Things don't, mm -hmm. don't cross over so much. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's good to have, like to get a mix of, of, of children and adults in a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't, and it doesn't have a lot of the sort of, you know, traditional, like, kids' theater components. Like, there's no, like, calling and responses <laughs> with yeah. audience or audience participation or anything like that. Or, yeah. you know, you're not going to be singing any songs about the alphabet. Like, it's, you know, <laughs> we don't have anything like that happening. Um, but I sort of, uh, but I, I think that there's still so much for, for anyone of any age to enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now the show is is at it's a it's a it's a it's a site specific so mm -hmm. and and you chose a room at the Scotting Court Community Center. Yes. What was it? A, was there something particular uh, that you saw at, in the room that that you really wanted to use, or what was what drew you to that space? Yeah. Uh, I found it was a very like um, you go into that room and you're automatically brought back to um, that that play like stage in your life mm -hmm. um, and that imaginative sense. Um, and I think that that really caters to this show and this show really caters to that idea. Um, there, there's this great sort of like interplay and, and, and exchange between the show and, and the space that we're creating. Mm -hmm. Um, and this community center room, um, really works to enhance that experience. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cause it's the preschool room that they, they run a lot of their like very little children mm -hmm. classes in. Um, so, you know, it's beautiful. It has construction paper art on the walls and like mm -hmm. court, sort of like pink orangey flooring and, mm -hmm. uh, tiny chairs, you know, it just, <laughs> it brings you right back mm -hmm. to nostalgia, which is sort of a huge part of our, of the, the feeling of our show mm -hmm. is that sort of bittersweet, um, memory of childhood sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it's, it just sort of. We walked in and we just thought it was a it was a really great fit and we mm -hmm. and we really plan to base the show in that specific room. It will mm -hmm. be very much about that space. What are the logistics of working in a in a room in a community center um, <laughs> where I don't know if during the summer they they still have their preschool yeah. uh, things? <laughs> like, what are the logistics of like doing a show in that room? Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a lot of coordination because Scotting Court Community Center is a very busy place. Mm -hmm. It's a well-used and well-loved community center. So, I mean, our contact there um, is wonderful, mm -hmm. and she's been really supportive. You know, they love the Fringe. The Fringe, um, they know, they're so familiar with mm -hmm. the Fringe. They, the main base 
uh, for the Fringe team is the room next door to ours okay. for the duration of the festival. So they're very familiar with having Fringe around. Yeah. Um, and they they were super supportive of, of us asking to do a show there. But, you know, it's a busy space. So there's been a lot of coordinating schedules and, you know, working show times around community mm-hmm. classes. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was great. We went to do um, a tour just a little while ago just to sort of um, figure out, like, seating and, and kind of bring the cast in to really dream up what it is that we're going to be doing in here. Um, and there were about, like, I don't know, like a a good handful of, of different groups in there <laughs> and so many kids like, mm. and it's you go in there and you automatically feel like yeah like that sense of nostalgia it's mm-hmm. um yeah. i think it's like a perfect spot to do this show yeah nice what where did where did the show come from how did it come to you for production at this at this fringe festival mm-hmm. well we um Brent and i both um, come from the same program. Um, so we're from uh, the University of Toronto, Mississauga, mm-hmm. um, and Sheridan College in the Theatre and Drama Studies program. Um, and there is, um, like a, I guess, like an extracurricular festival um, that um, originally uh, Bryn and, and Gabe, the, our playwright, um, submitted and um, did the show as like a workshop um, mm-hmm. in, our, in our third year. Um, and it's always been something that we've wanted to continue to develop for the past couple of years um, and decided that this year's Fringe Festival was the place to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it started as a, a half-hour workshop of the first half of the show, mm-hmm. and we sort of developed that, and we were amazed at that we had a really positive um, response from audiences, which mm. was really exciting because, you know, we, we created such a weird little specific world that yeah. you know you're not always sure are people gonna connect with this and and we were amazed that people really did which was exciting mm. um so yeah yeah i talked to gabe and i was like i would love to continue this is there more in you to write about this and he was like absolutely i have mm. a whole i this could go so many places so the first half of the play is about um one child and then the second half of the play is about sort of the next generation so that child grows up and has a child of their own mm. and the next the second half of the play is about um her daughter and mm. and where that goes hmm. yeah interesting um in, in <clears throat> when this play first came to you uh when you were looking at it, it when you were still in school was it um did you at any point like wonder about the logistic or like what it would be like doing a show that's predominantly about a child in front of a non-ya <laughs> audience right um honestly it it weirdly it was only when we started pitching the show to sort of um, after we graduated mm-hmm. um, to different opportunities and people really picked up on the the child thing that I really right. started to consider that. Right. Up until that point, it was just sort of another character. And mm. I think because of the way that Gabe has written the child, um, they're so insightful mm. and they have so many beautiful observations about the world Um that I never really considered their age as mm. as any kind of obstacle to connecting with them. Mm. I I always just thought um, they just brought a really beautiful viewpoint to the play, and and so we've we've always kind of treated that with a lot of respect. We don't um, we've never used the child as like a character that gets talked down to, mm. or you know, an actor playing them needs to play a certain age. Like that's never really been the goal. Mm. Um, so it was, it never really crossed my mind that they, that it would be an adult audience watching this story about a child. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't really until, like you said, like we started like talking to other people and sort of realizing like, oh yeah, they're, 
this, this, this kids in yeah. this show, you know? People started asking, like, is this a TYA show? And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it, is it? <laughs> I had to think about it. Yeah. And then I was like, mm, I don't... You know, we kind of talked about it, and we sort of decided, no, no, it's not yeah, really. There, there's so much, like, um, maturity and 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 humor and, mm-hmm. and like you said, like, insightfulness mm-hmm. um, with this, um, like, partnership between the child and the monster mm-hmm. that, yeah, it doesn't really feel like you're watching a, a, a kid's show yeah. or a kid-specific yeah. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Were you feeling, when people were asking about it, were you feeling, like, resistance about it because you were not talking to uh, kids' theaters, or, or... I mean, a little bit. The first time someone said it, I was like, what? No. It's not... <laughs> Sorry, I had this, like, really bizarre reaction to it, and then I was like, wait, I guess I... I guess it is... That is a fair observation that it right. is about a child. <laughs> I just never really clicked into that. Um, so I, I did sort of have to... I had an immediate emotional resistance, and then I think I had to... Um, justify that mm-hmm. and figure out why. Mm-hmm. Um, I do still, I, I stand by our decision though. I do, I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's a show for everyone, but yeah. Um, yeah. So there has been, there has been some resistance, which is sort of why we've been calling it kind of age accessible as kind right. of our compromise on that yeah. because there isn't going to be anything in the show that a child couldn't see. Mm-hmm. Like there won't, it's not going to be scary or, you know, everything will be age appropriate for everyone. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, so that's sort of our compromise mm-hmm. on that one. Uh, when you were experiencing that resistance, when people brought up whether it was was kids mm-hmm. theater, what did you did you figure out like what your resistance to it was? Um, I think it's just that it would. I think it would keep a lot of adults from seeing it. I think it would change the demographic that's mm-hmm. interested mm-hmm. in the show. You know, I think you'd get the adults who have to go with their kids, and you wouldn't get necessarily people from our generation who don't have kids mm-hmm. or people who are just not interested in that kind of theater. Right. Like I do think you know, I think there's a lot of people who who just who might skip over the kids fringe section of the guidebook mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah I, I think once you once you label anything as like one specific thing yeah. there is mm-hmm. sort of like this sense of exclusivity with it yeah um that does scare audiences away sometimes sure. you know mm-hmm. um so i think that that was like we don't we there's no need to limit mm-hmm. what this mm-hmm. show is capable of and, mm-hmm. and, and, and limit the audiences that are like going to enjoy yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do think that, um, I think that sometimes, you know, uh, there's theater that is accessible to kids, but it's, it's just theater that's working at such a high level that anyone would, would see it enjoy, yeah. you know, like, um, things like the the Soul Pepper Peter Pan, and mm-hmm. you know, we're starting to see a lot more theater that just sort of like works for everyone at yeah. a really high level, um, and that's really exciting to me, you know. And mm-hmm. so I sort of um, was like, "What's that? What can, how, what what label do they have on that?" Like that's sort of more what to me feels authentic to this show right. rather than TYA. Mm-hmm. And before we start talking about uh, uh, Theatre Board Between and a little bit more about how that came about, I'm curious about your theater origin stories. What did, <laughs> what brought you to theater and what made you decide that it was a thing that you were going to pursue? <laughs> John, what brought you to theater? Um, <laughs> um, I, I was always, like, I was always performing in my basement for my parents. That was, I mean, that's, I guess... I know that sounds so cliche, but that was the, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, and then it wasn't actually until probably like high school that I, I really um, 
caught the bug. Mm. Um, the first show I ever did in school was You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and there was um, no one in the audience. And it was horrifying and embarrassing, <laughs> but it was like, I, I didn't really care because I just loved what I was doing, and, I, and that really propelled me into wanting to study this in university and and, and, and have this as, as a career. Um, and because of the program we, went in, we were in, um, and because of the opportunities that were there, um, I, I really was, like, inspired to start, like, you know, writing stuff or, or mm-hmm. sort of producing my own stuff or directing, just kind of like dipping my toe into different waters. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. When you were, you know, you're doing stuff in high school and things like that mm-hmm. and, and, and then starting to decide what it is that you were going to do with your life. Not ever, people do shows in high school yeah. and never go on to pursue theater. Right. What was it that made you decide that this is what you were going to pursue for your life's work. Well, I think it really helped that I went to um, an athletics-based high school. Um, <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, well, I definitely don't want to do that. Um, so maybe I'll just do the other thing. Um, and there was also like, there was an uh, arts-specific high school in the city mm-hmm. um, that I didn't go to. So this, the high school that I went to, um, it felt sort of like, um, almost like, big fish, small pond mm-hmm. with the drama department. Like if I was really passionate about it, it kind of felt like I was one of maybe three other people that were super passionate about sure. this, um, which obviously helped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 uh, at, at a certain point you made the decision and was like, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, was there, was there, did anybody push back? Did anybody say no? It's a hard life. Did anybody try to convince you otherwise? Or was well, I'm stubborn really by nature. <laughs> okay. So okay. I, 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 I mean, I don't really remember anyone saying, like, this is not a good idea mm-hmm. for you. Um, but uh, I think because I knew how difficult this was going to be, um, I was sort of like, yeah, let's just let's give it a try. Mm. Let's do this. Like, mm-hmm. let's work really hard at this. And, um, yeah. Okay. Bren. Um. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I was just always, like, a dramatic kid from (laughs) birth, I think. Um, I just, I was, I loved storytelling and talking. (laughs) And um, my mom tells a story of my brother performing in a play in first grade. And I I would have been three. He would have been six. And uh, they had to keep stopping me from wandering up onto the stage to join him. And and she thinks I was trying to get to my brother. I think I was trying to get to the stage. (laughs) Um, So, and it just, yeah, they stuck me in classes Mm -hmm. as a kid, extracurricular classes, and I just never left. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so they, I mean, and then I uh, I just, I loved theater so much. I, I used to you know, spend my money on theater tickets instead of when all my friends were buying concert tickets, you know, and, um, and then I, I went to, so it was sort of an obvious choice for me to continue to pursue that and, mm-hmm. and go to a, the university program that we did and, um, and continue from there. Yeah. Do you remember what the first show that you saw was? Um, my parents, luckily, I'm, I feel very blessed to come from a family where theater has always been sort of very much of our, our um, a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents have taken me to plays since I was tiny because mm-hmm. both their parents took them to plays. And um, 
So I don't know what the first one was because we've been doing it for so long, but I do have a distinct memory of the first play that I bought tickets to mm -hmm. myself with my own money, which was in when I was in grade four and they brought the tour of Les Miserables to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I desperately wanted to see it because I was singing Castle on a Cloud at the time. Yeah, okay. So I got tickets for my birthday, asked for them with my own money, and I invited my dad to take the other ticket and we went to see the show together. And that was a really big deal for me. Do you remember like do you remember watching the show? Oh yeah, I remember just like sobbing openly <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> like just being so emotional because I yeah. think it was I think it was also, I, I hadn't seen the story ever. Like, I hadn't see, I, I knew all the songs, but I, I don't think I knew quite how emotional it was going right. to be. And I think I was so invested um, <laughs> in the story. My mom used to say that when, when they would take me to shows, she used to say that, that she could see other people in the audience getting distracted and watching me instead of the show because I would be so invested in it. And they'd be like, what's this kid doing? Because <laughs> I'd be so excited about what I was seeing. But, um, so yeah, I just remember being so emotional and probably mm. just, I think I talked about it for like weeks afterwards to all my friends. I'm sure I annoyed all of them <laughs> with <laughs> all this Les Miserables talk. <laughs> John, do you remember the first show that you saw? Um, I mean, I saw a lot of like community theater stuff, um, when I was in like high school. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, I mean, like this is also like, maybe it's kind of embarrassing, but I mean, I, I think the first like big show I ever saw was um like Wizard of Oz at Mervish like <laughs> not that long ago yeah. like, it was like right before we we went into university oh wow okay right after the whole like over the rainbow reality oh, show yeah. And yeah. Stuff. yeah yeah um yeah that was I like, was working yeah. at the theater at the time oh okay <laughs> I saw that show a lot right. <laughs> yeah um so what, what what made you guys want to start a theater company <laughs> um well, we, we both, uh, as John sort of said, um, we both kind of have explored areas outside of acting and related to, so I sort of found directing in, in university and, um, and John has been doing, you know, writing and creation and movement and, um, and so we sort of, we just started talking about wanting to create our own work and wanting to have a place to get to take a little bit more agency and ownership over mm -hmm. the kinds of things we were doing and not just rely on what auditions were coming up or you know what was available to us yeah. um I, I mean there was one night where we were just like <laughs> hanging out like i had just moved like britain's been living in toronto her whole life and and um i had just moved to the city after university um and we were sitting in like my tiny little apartment watching drag race and eating thai food and talking over a bottle of wine yeah. i think we we were just talking about like how we wanted to create all this work mm -hmm. about how there was like these projects that we were really interested in people that we wanted to work with um and we just kind of got to talking of like maybe we should just do this yeah and i think by the end of the night and then we kind of sort of we talked through we had a few projects that we've both been working on um, that were sort of the next, we were like, well, we could do this and this and this, and of, of which Beneath the Bed was one of them. Mm -hmm. And um, and then by the end of the night, by the time I was going home, we just sort of looked at each other and we were like, did we just, did we just make a theater company? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and because we suddenly, you know, when we put it all together, all of these things that we wanted to do, all these ideas we had or projects mm -hmm. in the making, we had suddenly like a list of like five projects that, that we could do at any time, you know? So yeah. if we just put the work in. And we've already done three out of 
Yeah, we've done, well, we've done three. We've done three. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that mystery list so, was. But, yeah. but yeah, like as Bryn was like going home, I like by the time she got home, I'd already sent her like logos. For oh, me. yeah. That's <laughs> right. Like, you did. I was just like, this is like, this is a thing. This is what we're doing. John was like, here's our season art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was was self-production something that, that they talked about at theater school for you? Um, a little, a little bit. I, I would say our program has a, has more of it than than some other ones, perhaps because there's more extracurricular opportunities um, that are sort mm-hmm. of not class based to make work. So you know, we have some student festivals, and which was how both of us did some directing and at school. So, uh, and you know, we do. They taught us a little bit about theater tech and things like that. So we had sort of some a a little bit more of a range of skills mm-hmm. uh, around that sort of assist with self-creation at mm-hmm. least. Um, but the producing side of things, not really, no. I wouldn't say no. that was sort of something that we kind of have to have had to learn on our feet. What's yeah. been the most surprising thing about, uh, uh, producing that you wish you knew before you started to self-produce? <laughs> so much. God, yeah, we, um, I mean, we, the first show we did was, um, uh, selections from, uh, Vitals by Rosamund Small. Mm-hmm. And we did that in the Paprika Festival. Um, and then after that we were like, okay, let's, let's do the whole thing. Let's put it up. And that was like kind of our first big, like, oh, we're producing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that came with a whole book of challenges that we didn't <laughs> yeah. even know like i didn't even know the book existed you know yeah. so um yeah like tapa memberships and, mm, and then yeah. the whole thing it's yeah. like we have to get this like yeah. we have to... insurance what yeah. um yeah. And, like, like just do the show yeah <laughs> i think there was way more spreadsheets than either of us could have ever anticipated <laughs> oh, would be involved yeah. in making theater yeah. Yeah. you know budgeting expenses versus revenue like it's all these things How that to operate a google drive yeah <laughs> like, that is its own skill set <laughs> like it's, it's such a weird thing to go from being like oh i'm, I'm just an artist i make yeah. the creation side and then have to like figure out okay no we need numbers to make that happen though. i do yeah. think that's one of those things that, that that they should be telling us absolutely you know? yeah because it's becoming more and more important for to sure. self-produce for sure and so here everybody gets out of theater school and they're like spreadsheets what yeah you know yeah. well i had no idea like being a young director in the city talking to other other young directors who are doing work um you know it's sort of turned into when i hear about what other people are doing when they when they say that they're getting to just direct and mm-hmm. not also produce the show mm-hmm. that they're working on. Uh, to me, I'm like, oh my God, what a luxury. <laughs> That's fantastic. You yeah. know, because I'm, I'm so used to having seen sort of how the independent theater industry works now for mm-hmm. two years. I'm, you know, everyone is, is producing the work that they're, that they're working on. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's almost, it's so common now that if you're acting or directing something or writing something that you're also producing it. Mm-hmm. So when you're just doing that creative component, I'm like, wow, you must have so much free brain space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, like, you know, like we're thinking about marketing, but then we're also yeah. worried about getting a rehearsal space, but yeah. then we're like, oh yeah, we have to, you know, pay the actors and then pay ourselves. Yeah. And then yeah. it's, you're, you're wearing every hat. Yeah. And, yeah. And that is something that they don't really teach you in theater school, at least for when we were. Yeah. Like when, when we went. Not so much, yeah. I think it's pretty rare. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I th- do think that, that, that you know, at least for Fringe, there's, um, you know, you don't have to worry about insurance. And, and yeah. you know, your, your, your performance space at least is 
is taken care of and you don't have to you don't have mm-hmm. to go and find that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's often a crash course in publicity for new producers and yeah. new people who are, who, are, who are putting stuff together. Um, have you guys, having produced some stuff before, what's your feeling about, about do you have a plan for, for marketing? Are you, do you feel like you're more prepared mm-hmm. for that aspect than, than you have been in the past? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I did... Um I jumped into uh, marketing and communications in university, mm-hmm. um, kind of taking on the the role of, of trying to like revamp the online presence for the um, for the theater on on campus, mm-hmm. um, and that evolved into um, different marketing jobs since graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm I'm the communications manager at the Paprika Festival. Okay, um, so communications and marketing has become like a like a strong skill set of mine sure only because that's kind of what you have to do now um the same same with you yeah yeah it's sort of funny that we we actually both have marketing backgrounds because i uh now after having after graduating school uh, i'm working right now as the marketing coordinator for studio 180 theater Mm. so yeah so both of us sort of um it's something that we do as our sort of side hustle day job. Um, mm. So we both sort of have a, a f- I, I would like to think, a fairly strong understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, John runs all our social media and, and does, a, I, I think, personally a fantastic job with that. <laughs> Me too, I um, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, And makes all our beautiful graphics. I think mm-hmm. for Fringe, like the, the most important thing that I've seen and, and I notice it in how I approach the Fringe, Fringe Festival as a, as a patron and also, you know, from the inside of, of marketing some shows last year, um, I think a strong, a strong, uh, recognizable image mm-hmm. goes a really long way in Fringe, a really professional, beautiful looking image, yeah. whether that's a photograph or a, or a graphic or some kind of graphic design, yeah. um, you know, something that makes you look professional, that um, helps your show stand out and look interesting yeah. um, and different and, uh, I think that goes a long way even. I have, I have, while looking at the Fringe program, mm-hmm. crossed stuff off my list because of the image they chose for the Oh, absolutely. Image, you know? Yeah. And yeah. maybe that makes, maybe I've missed out on some <laughs> awesome stuff, but I've always something like that's an important image and totally. maybe their poster later got better, but that's the first thing I saw. And so I've always been a bit of an image snob and that if the imagery in the program is no good. Yeah. Well, the, the image and the, and the graphic of, of a show is, is, <laughs> intended to be an indication of of your vision for what mm-hmm. the show is yeah. you know so if you i i mean i feel the same way in that like if i'm flipping through a program or if i'm looking at like a poster wall like they have at the fringe tent mm-hmm. if i'm not seeing something that is like striking or eye catching or um intriguing in any yeah. way mm-hmm. i'm 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 not necessarily drawn to that show mm-hmm. yeah. um it's the same with like online marketing if you're not if you don't have like a level of, of frequency of like like online publicity, then like you're sort of you get lost in the shuffle easily, especially yeah. with fringe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there is so much going on. It's mm-hmm. it's like the Olympics. But it is also <laughs> it is also one time of year where there is an audience that is looking for stuff to see. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you have the potential of doing really well because there are people looking for stuff. Yeah. With more intensity than they often are at other times of the year. Yeah, and I think that's something we're really excited about with being in, in Fringe, because our, our last production um, in November at Vitals, uh, we sort of had to 
find our own audience base mm-hmm. for that, you know, and, and, uh, and we're excited with fringe to be able to branch out beyond just the people that we personally know mm-hmm. and hopefully reach people who, who don't know us or how aren't familiar with our work, but are willing to take a chance mm-hmm. on, you know, new artists who, um, the description sounds intriguing, you know, cause yeah. there, that's the lovely, beautiful thing about fringe is there's a whole host of people who, just go to support new work and try mm-hmm. people out and, yeah. and they might find their next new favorite theater artist there. And, and that's really exciting to us to be able to expand our reach that way. Mm-hmm. I'm always a big fan of audience members who go the first weekend. Yeah. Before absolutely. the reviews have come out, those absolutely. people, the pioneers of Fringe who go yeah. out and they're like willing to see whatever before it's a solid choice. Yeah. I love those people because <laughs> they're like, they're the risk takers. Oh, for yeah. sure. Because and it's a sport <laughs> to some people, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I want to see as many shows as I possibly can in two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. We, we appreciate those people who help <laughs> us, like, to sell out the early shows so we can start being, like, sold out as yes. soon as possible. It's amazing how important that is. Yeah. They're, like, the sold out. Like, yeah. And I've tried to tell people who, who aren't as familiar with 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 Fringe as, as I am that that, like, if you sell out your first show, it's more likely that your second show will sell out. Like, yeah. to be able to say the show is sold out automatically means to other people that this is a show to see. And That's so a good show, yeah. And we'll go to it. And yeah. it's, it's like, how do you how do you manufacture a sold out show? Yeah. What's, the, what's the trick to that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beg all your family friends. and friends yeah. to come yeah. early yeah. in the run. Yeah. There is that. Yeah. <laughs> you guys also have the advantage that being at Scatting Court, you are right next to the the postscript uh, yes. fringe patio. You see it's like five that minutes was, before our start, start yeah. time and just... We got eight seats left. Who won them? We're at the bar. Yeah, Yeah. that was a a specific choice (laughs) to be in that location. Yeah, Yeah. Um, we just we sort of we when we were scouting out for different spots. You know, we looked at a really wide range of of possible venues. We looked at Mm. art galleries in the area, and Mm. like we had a we we had so many thoughts. At one point, we looked at um, what uh, the. what is it? The like you look at the stars. Oh, um, we wanted to go to we wanted a planetarium. planetarium? Yeah, yeah, but there's like there's none in Toronto anymore. No, that's <laughs> they're too all, bad. They're all like way up north at like York University or something. So we we're like, oh, too far. But um, because we were very very clear that we wanted to give no one an excuse not to see this show. Mm. And with Fringe, location <clears throat> is so important. In that. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, because if you, when people are making their back to back schedules, you want them to be able to be like, oh, I could see this show before or after this one, this one, mm-hmm. this one, and pack it all. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Being able to 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 to, to navigate the the time between uh, locations yeah. is also really super important. Um, what have have there been any 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 challenges in 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 getting ready for Fringe this year that you guys have, or is it just the fact that like as we record this, like we said, like you said, when we <laughs> sat down, somebody said it's six weeks to Fringe, and you were like, don't say those numbers, yeah. like is is it just like how quickly it comes up that's the, that's the challenge at this point. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's like, uh, I think, uh, time is a resource that gets sort of underestimated in independent, independent theater, you know, Mm -hmm. that's that, you know, neither John or I get paid for the work that we're doing at Mm -hmm. this point. And we're both really busy (laughs) with lots of things. You know, John's right in the middle of the Paprika Festival. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have a limited number of hours in the day and, um, you know, there, it's just the two of us. So if one of us doesn't do something, it doesn't, it doesn't get done. You know, yeah. there's no, there's no team catching the ball or, you know, so I think it's like the resource of time is, is something that 
can be difficult with independent producing when you're balancing, yeah. you know, the jobs that make you money and pay your rent and yeah. um, the the other work that you have to do, the other projects that you're involved in, because no one's ever working on like one project at a time, right? That's true. I think something else too is um, something that we're, I guess, sort of going through right now is is rehearsal spaces. Um, yeah. Because, you know, like you, you want to look for a big enough space to, especially for our show, to do movement work in. Um, but that's also affordable, mm-hmm. but the people that are setting the prices for these spaces are also artists. Mm-hmm. So it's this sort of like cycle of like, I can't really afford that. And like, well, I can't afford otherwise. So, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. And space, I mean, just in general, rehearsal space, venue space, like all of that in Toronto is, is just getting more and more inaccessible yeah. and harder to find. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's why you hear about people getting really resourceful and weird with their rehearsal mm-hmm. spaces, which is, you know, we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's tough. Like that's such, yeah, that's one that people underestimate a lot. That's a big challenge. It is hard because there aren't, it's not like new performance spaces are opening up no, frequently. No. And, and rehearsal spaces are much the same. Like there's mm-hmm. some, some are closing down and yeah. very few open up again. So it's, it's hard to, hard to do all of that. Mm-hmm. In terms of the resource of time, how do you, how are you navigating, uh, and, and, and working to make sure that you have the time within your busy schedule to do mm-hmm. the things that need to be done for fringe? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, I've, I've been really trying hard. I got very overwhelmed, I feel like, in our last show that we did, because um, it just felt like a never-ending to-do list <laughs> that just, can, you know, because with produ- you know with certain aspects of, of doing a show, especially on the creative side, you get to a point where you're sort of like, this job is done. Like, mm-hmm. you get, as a director, you get to a point where you're like, we we made the show. This is the show now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from but from a producing standpoint, there's always more that you can do. Mm-hmm. You're never, until the show closes and you're like, I literally can't do anything anymore. Yeah. There's always something else you technically could be doing, you know? And then even then, it's it's doing, like, all the wrap-up. All the wrap-up stuff, yeah. 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 So I think for me this time, something that I'm focusing on with time is just is just taking things one step at a time and just trying to be like, okay, what's the next thing that has to get done? What's the next thing that has to get done? And sort of going through it that way because it can be overwhelming with the just sheer amount of things to do mm-hmm. yeah i think just tackling one thing at a time takes a, a huge amount of discipline because i don't know mm-hmm. with me as i'm getting closer to fringe and preparing to do my own show although i have a list of what needs to be done la- done next my brain you know when i'm falling asleep at night i'm like oh there's that oh there's yeah. that. i'm all over the place and it's hard for me to to concentrate on just one thing absolutely I mean, yeah, it, it's it, it's not easy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Just trying to stay like focused and and calm about it. You know, mm, I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, Bryn and I've, like I said, like I've, I've worn many hats over the years, like producing, yeah. directing, acting, um, writing, marketing, everything. And I think after having, I mean, I know it's still early on for the two of mm-hmm. us, but after having a few projects under our belt and, and kind of getting to understand the lay of the land. We have a lot more trust in ourselves to um, push forward on a project like this. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we have an amazing artistic team Mm -hmm. this time around. And it's, um, we have so much faith and so much trust in them that Mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of like, yeah, we're worried about time. Yeah, Fringe is in six-ish <laughs> weeks. Um, but 
we both have the skill set to make things happen. We have an artistic team that has a, such a strong skill set to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think as new producers, it's it's just blind trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who does that? Who does that blind trust get placed in? Yourselves or other people? Or um, I think myself, like mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, yeah. it's it's because if I'm if I'm sitting around not trusting anybody else, and it's like, what does that say about me? Mm-hmm. Right. True. So if, yeah. if I've got trust and confidence in the fact that I have a lot to offer, um, everyone else will just like feel the same. Way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, what do you guys? Is there? What's the thing that you're most looking forward to about presenting this show at Fringe? Oh my gosh. That's such a lovely question I haven't even yeah. thought about yet. Oh, that's because we've had such a laundry list of things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Well, I don't know. It's This show has just been, it's been with us for so long. We've been working to get it out there for years, you know, trying to find the right opportunity, the right fit. I'm just, and I, I was struck at our first read listening to these, these beautiful actors that we have, um, and we're so lucky to work with listening to them read this beautiful script out loud. And it just, my heart opened up to these characters mm-hmm. again. Um, I haven't really gotten to be with them in, in a few years since we worked on it last. Cause it's been so much a focus on applications and deadlines and, mm-hmm. you know, to get it out there in the first place that I haven't really had the brain space for thinking about this show creatively in a long time. And I, I just, it made me so excited to get to share these beautiful characters with people again mm. Um, you know, the monster and the child, like they just, they're funny and they're quirky and they're, um, insightful and compassionate. Like they just, they're these really beautiful, lovely characters that people fall in love with immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thrilled and excited to get to share, um, them with audiences because I really, I really think that people will, will connect with them. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm excited for, for that, I think. Yeah. Um, we've pulled together like this really um, electric team of young artists mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I've worked with some of them, Brent's worked with some of them. We've admired them from afar. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's just, I'm, I'm so excited to like collaborate with everybody, get in the room and then kind of just like have this explosive show in, in hmm. court and, and sharing that with a bunch of like new audiences. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This has been a Homebody Productions production.